Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. How's your day going? Praise God. I hope it's going to be a great day for you, for your family, for whatever it is you're going to do today. Wherever you're going, we're going to keep you informed and inspired with a great program this hour. Looking forward to it. Uh, Dr. Ann Hendershot, a professor over at the University of Steubenville, uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville, is going to be on the program to talk about Marxism, on the dangers of Marxism and socialism in our society today. It's part of a, a theme of uh, conversations we've been having this week. Uh, but also we'll have uh, breaking news and stories. We'll have the saint of the day. Gospel of the day will be on the program today. And of course, the team is here as well. Good morning to you, Emily Alcaraz. Good morning, Joe. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Guess what? Today, uh, in the second hour, if whoever can join us for that, we'll be pulling the winner of our game show prize. That's, That's right. That, that'll be fun. So we yeah. look forward to that today, too. Uh, of course, uh, Adrian Fonseca is on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. Good morning. I heard we're going to have a uh, special guest pull uh, our... Winner for today. So That's true. I'm excited. I have a, a team of special guests hanging out in the studio today. Uh, some of my kids are with me. We're going to be heading out after the program today for a little camping trip for over the weekend. So we're very excited about that. So maybe we'll get one of them to pull the winner in the next hour. But in this hour, again, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Ann Hendershot, uh, Marxist Roots of Liberation Theology and Socialism, professor at University of Steubenville, a Franciscan University in Steubenville. So that's going to be our, our program this hour. And, you know, I want to mention really quickly next. Next week, we're going to have a whole list of, of great interviews. Uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers will be on next week. Monsignor Charles Pope will be on next week. Uh, Mr. Julio from uh, the TFP in Italy, he's going to be a returning guest. We had him on, it, was that two, three weeks ago at least? It's been a while. It was about a month ago at this point. Has it been a month ago? So we're going to have some great guests lined up next week. So we're very excited about next week's show as well. Uh, so lots to talk about, lots to deal with. Plus, oh, I forgot, in this hour we will also have the What's Concerning Us section. So lots of stories there. Again, continued censorship stories and headlines plus others. But let's begin with prayer. Whatever your intentions are, my dear listener, whatever's on your heart, whatever your needs are, we'll be praying for those intentions. I'll, I'll include those along with my own for my family, for our trip this weekend, but for our team here, our equipment, our uh, our radio apostolates, either Stations of the Cross, Guadalupe Radio Network, and beyond, uh, praying for our continued provision for our ministries and our, our work here. So let's ask Our Lady to intercede for us by whispering these intentions into the ear of her Son, that he may draw us ever so more closely into his most sacred heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear, and answer me. Amen. And now the headlines with Emily Alcrez. President-elect Joe Biden announced yesterday a $1.9 trillion stim stimulus plan to address the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. 
Called the American Rescue Plan, the legislative proposal would meet Biden's goal of administering 100 million vaccines by the 100th day of his administration, while advancing his objective of reopening most schools by the spring. It includes $1,400 checks for most Americans and would also boost unemployment benefits and a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures through September. And it shoehorns in the long-term Democratic policy aim of increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour and expanding paid leave for workers across the economy. Next Wednesday, when Biden will be sworn in as president, marks the anniversary of the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the United States. A NASA scientist has pleaded guilty to lying about his ties with communist China. Mia Mia Pan pleaded guilty to lying about his ties to China's Thousand Talents program that the U.S. government accuses of luring Chinese overseas talent and foreign experts to the communist country and rewarding them for stealing information. The plea came one day before the Justice Department also announced the arrest of Gong Chen, a professor and researcher at MIT for failing to disclose contracts, appointments, and awards from various entities in China to the U.S. Department of Energy. And seven months after Harvard University professor Charles Lieber was indicted for making false statements about his involvement with the Thousand Challenge program. The London-based HSBC has threatened to shut down customers' bank accounts if they refuse to mask up during visits to the bank's UK branches. And in America, a New Jersey governor has wiped out a gym's bank account for remaining open in defiance of the lockdown. In a post on Instagram, the gym owner, Ian Smith, said, quote, Governor Murphy took it upon himself to empty our bank account entirely to the tune of $165,000. The gym now faces a $15,000 fine for every day it remains open. A 6.2 magnitude earthquake in Indonesia this morning has killed at least 35 people. Authorities reported that the quake injured hundreds and caused three landslides, cut electricity, damaged bridges, and destroyed homes. There have been at least 26 aftershocks, and they could still possibly trigger a tsunami in the area. Today's quake was also preceded by a 5.9 magnitude earthquake on Thursday afternoon. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ, uh, blessed Nicholas Gross. Pray for us. Born on September the 30th, 1898. Uh, September 30th, that's my anniversary. Uh, He was a minor. He was a father of seven children. He was also a member of the Christian Miners Labor Union at the age of 19, became the secretary by 22, uh, and a member of the uh, Christian Party at age 20. He worked in the newspaper business, in fact, and was a part of the uh, newspaper of the Catholic Workers Movement at age 22, became its director by 24 years old. And at this time, uh, you know, uh, this was the rise of Nazism in Germany. And he became a non-violent opponent of Nazism from its very beginnings. He worked to distinguish Catholic intellectuals, uh, you know, in order to get uh, the opposition going, to, to expose the errors of Nazism, the harmful errors of Nazi propaganda in their society. You know, he tried to organize, in fact, uh, a, a resistance among Catholic workers in preparation for the planned assassination of Hitler in uh, 1944, July 20th, 1944. But he was never, he nor any of his members were ever implicated in the assassination. However, Nicholas was arrested on the 12th of August in 44 for treason, and he was sentenced to death by a people's court on the 15th of January. 
He would be executed on 23 January 1944 in the prison, and his body was cremated and his ashes were scattered. Blessed Nicholas Gross once wrote, We Catholic workers strongly and clearly reject national socialism, not only for political and economic reasons, but also decidedly because of our religious and cultural position. Blessed Nicholas Gross, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door, and he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, pick up your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose, picked up his mat at once, and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, again, a very powerful passage for us to meditate upon today. Who but God alone can forgive sins? You know, this is another one of those passages where I would often reference in trying to uh, give an apologetic, you know, a uh, defense for what the Catholic Church teaches in regards to confession. And uh, we see how this, uh, and also to talk about Jesus' own divinity. Look at what happens here. He not only forgives sins, and clearly only God can forgive sins, but he also heals, he casts out this, uh, you know, the, what's ailing this paralytic, and at the same time, he can read the hearts of those men around him who spoke inwardly to themselves. He knew their hearts, he knew their minds, he knew their thoughts, and he was able to address them uh, outwardly. So there's a powerful realization that it is God himself who stands in their midst preaching the word, healing and forgiving sins. And of course, we know that he will go on in John chapter 21 to give to the apostles uh, this ability to hear and to forgive sins, to retain or to forgive uh, these sins. And it's a powerful realization that when Christ has come, he has come to establish the perfection of the old law, to bring about the new law, to bring us his church, and to bring us the sacraments that we may enter into the beatific vision. It's a powerful look. Emily, Adrian, what do you guys got? Yeah, what this makes me think of is... Um this thing that we hear people saying nowadays where they don't want to impose religion on anyone. Okay, but this passage shows us that we are meant to bring each other to the faith. Okay, so a lot of times people will say, oh, I don't want to impose religion on my children, so I'm not going to baptize them. I'm not going to force them to be Catholic or whatever. 
here we see that this man who is, you know, his physical malady, his physical illness is symbolic for an internal spiritual malady, right? Mm. And so we see his friends bringing him to Christ, and if they wouldn't have done that, he wouldn't have been healed. And so we have to bring others to Christ as well, because they they might be in need of healing without even realizing it. And so if you leave them to their own, quote-unquote, freedom, uh, it, it, overall, that's not charitable. It's going to cause them damage in the long run. So we need to bring each other to Christ, especially bring our children to Christ. That's what we're, that's where this passage shows us we should do. Adrian, yeah, I think the uh, y'all took the the obvious paths <laughs> and uh, did the easy the easy ones. Uh, I thought that was interesting. You briefly mentioned uh, Joe how this also proves the divinity of Christ. Um, and Michael Lofton, he did an interview, he did a debate with a Muslim on the divinity of Jesus, and he used this as one of the reasons why uh, it proves that he's God. Uh, but uh, I'm going to actually talk about something that's little known. Uh, it's, uh, Cornelius Alapide talks about the, how it's important that the uh, paralytic was carried by four people. And the four people yeah. symbolize the four virtues. Yes. The four virtues being prudence, fortitude, justice, and temperance. Prudence being uh, making wise decisions, fortitude having the strength and bravery to actually carry out those decisions, justice giving to God and neighbor what is due to them, and temperance of not going into excess. So I think those uh, that was an important thing as well to uh, focus on. Do you know the other thing that's important, I think, about the men who brought the paralytic on the mat? It, it, there's also another parallel here. I would also reference this uh, passage when discussing the church's uh, position on infant baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there was a lot of critics of the Catholic Church that say you're not supposed to baptize a person until they become uh, to the age of reason when they can decide that for themselves. Uh, that's I was baptized like that. I was I can't remember how old I was, eight or nine or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, before I was baptized, and I had to choose it for myself. Um, well, those are, this is a beautiful look as well, and looking at the faith of these four men on behalf of this person who could not act for themselves, bringing this person to Christ, so just uh, like a parent would, or parents would bring their infant child, having the faith uh, to act on behalf of the child who can't act for themselves, or like the uh, the centurion who acted on behalf of their of their servant, you know, or the father who acted on behalf of his daughter who passed away to come to Jesus to beg the Lord for grace on behalf of someone who cannot act on their own. Right, and notice it doesn't say anywhere here that the paralytic had any faith himself. Right. So we don't even know. So it is a great passage to chew on today. I hope you'll do that. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we'll have the What's Concerning Us section. We're going to chat about some of the headline news we've uh, been talking about this morning. All that plus our conversation with Ann Hendershot on Marxism, liberation theology, and socialism, and more in this Catholic Drive Time Hour. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Often unbelievers have a hard time reconciling the doctrine of hell with an all-good God. In fact, I've talked to Catholics who struggle with this. So what can we say to help? Well, first, the punishment of hell is not a kind of vengeance inflicted by God from without, but follows from the nature of sin. All those in hell choose it, and God's respect of man's free will doesn't contradict his goodness. Furthermore, it belongs to God's goodness to make a distinction between loyal and disloyal subjects, and to give their just deserts. What kind of a God would he be if he gave the same reward, heaven, to those who refuse to love him as to those who love him. He wouldn't be a good God. 
For these reasons, the doctrine of hell is not incompatible with God's goodness. I'm Carlo Brusard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. The daughters of St. Paul share with everyone the hope Christ came to give. These women religious evangelize with the communication media. They are artists, writers, speakers, radio producers, editors, singers, reaching people of today with every form of media. The sisters combine their apostolate with a life of prayerful contemplation and a joyful life in community. If you would like to learn more about the daughters of St. Paul, visit their website at www.pauline.org. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Welcome to the What's Concerning Us segment of the show today. Dr. Ann Hendershot, professor at uh, Franciscan University in Steubenville, will be on with us in just a little while, about uh, 15 minutes from now, 20 minutes from now, to talk about the Marxist roots of liberation theology, socialism, and the, the dangers of Marxism in society today. That'll be our conversation coming up again in about 20 minutes or so. But in, in the headline news, there's still, again, I, I think I've been pounding this and beating this like a, a – I can't help it, though. The, the social media censorship is really off, off the hook here, and it's getting worse, it seems. There was a Project Veritas post that came out last night of a video – of CEO Jack Dorsey saying, guess what? There's a lot more censorship to come. The focusing on President Donald Trump uh, or QAnon uh, is just the beginning. That's what the video says. You can see it for yourself. We'll link to all of the articles we talk about today. But he's saying it's just beginning. There's a long way to go. It ain't going anywhere anytime soon. There's much more to go. You know, the reason why I even want to mention this right now is because there's a couple of other articles out that I think are important to, to uh, sort of correlate between all of this. Um, One American News uh, has uh, a story. I think we're going to try. I think, Emily, we're trying to get the, uh, the guy who reported this on the show for next week, possibly. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that's the case. He can shed more light on it. But he, he put out, uh, how do you say this person's name? It's, it's Jack. How do you say his last name? Uh, I think it's Posobiec. Posobiec. Jack Posobiec. He put out a video, again, we'll link to it, uh, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. The IMF, okay, the IMF. Now, when I first read this, I'm thinking, is this the Tom Cruise film? What what are we talking about here? The IMF, the International Monetary Fund. The International Monetary Fund says your internet search history should be used as your credit score. I want that to sink in for a moment. The IMF, the International Monetary Fund, wants to use your social history, your search history, as a part of or to replace uh, your credit score. So you go to the bank and you want to get a loan, you want to get a mortgage for your house, and then they're searching your search history, they're searching your social posts to see what your politics are, to see what your opinions are, and then they decide whether or not to lend you money. Take that in connection with Jack Dorsey's comments of censorship's not going anyway anytime soon. That's, that's a little unsettling to me. That is a, a little unsettling. So you don't like, uh, you don't like the, the politics of this politician or that politician or this group or that group? Fine. You're entitled. Uh, you, First Amendment right. You have, you're entitled to have an opinion. But when we live in a day and an age where we're going to heavily censor people's uh, opinions and voices, then the question becomes, who gets to be the censor? 
Who gets to make those decisions? Um, do we have anything uh, to say about that? Well, it looks like that's going to become harder and harder. I mean, the, the, the Gab CEO said he had to go out and rebuild everything from scratch four years ago when he got deplatformed. So he's had to build uh, his own pay p- system, his own internet uh, provider system, his own uh, social system, video hosting system, because nobody else wanted to host him. And Parler is at a point where they may not come back ever. And you may not like Parler. You may totally agree that they got deplatformed. Fine. But we live in a day and an age where if they come for your enemy, they may also come for you someday. Um, I also saw, according to businessinsider.com and their markets insider report, that Twitter lost $5 billion in market value after they permanently barred Trump from the platform. $5 billion of market value. I've also heard reports. These are rumors. I don't have anything to substantiate this. I haven't actually read it in an article, but I've heard from the, the scuttlebutts around the Internet, so take it with a huge grain of salt, that thousands of uh, Silicon Valley uh, employees are like throwing their hands up and saying, I can't deal with it anymore, the, the, the censorship and the, the hypocrisy in the voice. It seems like uh, we're living in uh, in di- moving towards dystopian times as far as social media goes. Uh, Emily, uh, Adrian, anything there? Um, yeah, the censorship stuff is crazy. And I'm, I was really glad to see Facebook and Twitter stocks drop so drastically. I mean, and the mass exit, I tried to make a Gab.com account and I couldn't. The website was down because it's, it was crashing yeah. so many people. I know. A mass exodus. It Very is exciting news. Um, but for my what's concerning me, this is actually kind of funny. So uh, we know that, you know, Democrat-run cities have had some of the toughest lockdowns during this, this whole COVID thing. Now, Governor Cuomo changing his tune. He's saying we cannot, we simply cannot stay closed until the vaccine hits critical mass. He's reopening bars and restaurants. We see, <laughs> we see the same thing in Chicago. All of a sudden. really tough lockdowns Remember in Chicago. Remember the videos of him sending police officers to the homes of, of Jewish people? You know, because Mm -hmm. they were having gatherings in their homes and now all of a sudden it's okay. I mean, the story of of taking the money out of the bank account for the gym Mm -hmm. and then now they want to open up the the churches again. Praise God. That's awesome. Uh, Adrian, did you have any stories? Yeah. So uh, I have a more. So it kind of starts off as a bad story, but it has a happy ending. So (laughs) the uh, the. Bad story is we reported on this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the in Ireland they had a uh, blasphemous uh, image that they that a radio station, a the public radio station in Ireland, put out uh, about our Lord and our Lady. Uh, and I'm not going to repeat it again here because it's disgusting. Uh, but the uh, it was absolutely blasphemous. And but the a bunch of people in Ireland, just r- random people, all got together and started protesting this radio station outside of their radio station, doing a rosary rally outside. And then initially they um, reported, well, we had like 60 people outside, so we we apologize for people that that they were offended. And they were like, uh, uh-uh. uh. We're not, we don't want you to apologize because we're offended. We want you to apologize to God for your blasphemy. And so they came back in force with uh, 300 people doing a rosary rally outside of the radio station and had the, uh, the radio station give a, uh, a what they said, an unqualified apology to, uh, for what they did. And uh, they and so they received an apology. They made reparation for the blasphemy against Our Lady, and uh, they showed that the Irish people are still. There's so many Irish people that still wow. love the faith. 
Wow. You know, I think of all the examples of of outlets, media outlets, publishing houses who've, you know, put out cartoons of Muhammad and the backlash among Muslims uh, who are offended by that. And yet, how many examples can we think of where media houses, publishing houses, outlets have offended our Lord, you know, blasphemies, really? Like, think of the artwork where they, you know, had... Um, Biological fluids, let's just say, place on the crucifixes or images of Our Lady. All of these very terrible and insulting things that they've done. And there's been almost no backlash on, on most of that. Or if there has been, it's been from a very small uh, you know, number of people. So to see actually a retraction and an apology, unapologetic apology, I think that's good news. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm very happy about that. That's reported uh, by the TFP article. And I'm trying to reach out to them, see if we can get the uh, one of the people who had the boots on the ground to come on the show and talk about it. That proves that when you make noise and take up space, Mm. And in a polite, you know, respectful way, um, people have to listen to you. So Catholics need to start standing up for our faith. Absolutely. Yeah. We have the most powerful weapon on our hands, and it's the Holy Rosary. The rosary. Amen. So uh, we need to go out there, use the rosary, go out there. We need to do prayer rallies. We need to take up space in the public sphere and show the, what the true faith is. Amen. Amen. I would love to see more of that. Again, I think, you know, one of the things that TFP has done that's always been inspiring to me was standing up outside of the uh, the transgender story hours in public uh, libraries, you know, protesting. Exactly. Not violently, not, you know, not in some, uh, you know, not with a lack of, they didn't have, uh, they had charity. They're there for uh, the charitable, uh, you know, goal of of uh, protecting the children and also trying to uh, plant seeds in the hearts of those that would be living in that lifestyle. And they had the courage to stand there and do that, to pray outside of those uh, situations. And I, I find that very inspiring, you know, very I love courageous. the TFP. Have you seen the videos of people barking at them? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think very that was demonic. in Poland, actually. Kind of, yeah, it was in yeah. Poland. Oh, Poland, yeah. yeah. There's another story here. Uh, it says, uh, this is according to the Gateway Pundit, not a site I've been to very often, but it says uh, Biden inaugural National Guard troops authorized to use lethal force as D.C. turns into police state. National Guard troops deployed in Washington, D.C. for the Biden inaugural in the wake of the storming of the Capitol last week have been authorized to use lethal force, according to a report by U.S. News, and cited a Defense Department official. The D.C. National Guard has issued a statement Wednesday that troops under its command had been authorized to carry weapons. A reported 20,000 troops are being deployed in the nation's capital. Checkpoints have been established. Razor wire topped fencing has been erected around the Capitol and Supreme Court. Large swaths of official Washington have been blocked to vehicular traffic. Many uh, metro stations in downtown D.C. are completely closed. The Washington Monument is closed. The National Mall is set to be closed. Airbnb canceled all reservations in the D.C. area for the period of the inauguration. Hotels are being pressured to do the same. That is, um, that is concerning. I mean, I know that there's a, there's, there's a risk, there's threats, there's, uh, there's, you know, the potential for additional violence, which we pray and hope does not actually happen. But uh, man, seeing all of these troops in our nation's capital, has it, I don't, has it, what was the last time 20,000 troops, some with weapons, uh, have been on U.S. soil? In you, in our nation's capital, has it been the Civil War maybe? Probably. I I personally can't think of a single time in my lifetime. I mean, I've not been alive that long, but 
I mean, I, I cannot. This is something that it seems so foreign to me, and like it's like just otherworldly. I can't even imagine it. Yeah, it's uh, it is otherworldly. I mean, we live in a very weird place right now. Uh, I, I don't know. My, every night, my family and I pray our Holy Rosary, and every night we're praying. No matter, you know, we prayed obviously for a, for a peaceful outcome to the election, and we pray now. We're praying for just peace, peace in our country. You know, again, it would be. I don't know. I don't. I want to be careful what I say here, but as a father, I always think in terms of my kids are in the middle of this. My wife and my children are in the middle of this. I don't want my wife and my children in the middle of crazy town. And to, to hear these reports of these flyers that have been passed all over the country, encouraging people to come to their capitals, including the, the nation's capital, with their weapons, like, that is incredibly irresponsible. As a gun owner, as a Second Amendment uh, you know, promoter, as a free speech promoter, that is, I say to you, that is very irresponsible. Um, that, is, that is asking for... For trouble, and I pray for peace. I pray that we don't infl- uh, get, jump into uh, a civil war. We don't need that. We don't want that. That's not what. That's not what we need now. So let us all pray for peace in our country. But more importantly, let's pray for the conversion of souls and sinners to come home into the faith and be saved. That's our goal. That's our mission. All right, don't go anywhere. On the other side of this break, we'll have more breaking news and stories, plus our conversation with Ann Hendershot, professor at Franciscan University in Steubenville, the dangers of Marxism in our society. That's our conversation. It's coming up. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay. Or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful, or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. I want to remind you that a uh, great place to find us online. We are still posting online for as far as we can. I got to tell you, though, the uh, the algorithm love has been lacking for more than a year for 
for, for the shows that I've been producing. Uh, ever, ever since the beginning of 2019, uh, we started to see a, a sharp decline very rapidly, and it sort of remained there. Facebook has removed many of the features to me personally. I used to be able to do uh, watch parties and all that stuff. Well, they've taken all of that away from me. I'm, I'm able to post, but everything is grayed out, so I have uh, less capability, less reach, and all of that. So as a result, yes, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube. You can find us by searching for Catholic Drive Time in those places. Uh, I think Emily is also posting on Instagram as well. I signed up for Gab, but Gab is yet to start working properly, so uh, who knows what's up with that. But we did start the process of adding our back catalog of video interviews and, and segments onto our Rumble account. And so I would encourage you, if you could, uh, go to Rumble, search for Catholic Drive Time, and start looking for the videos there. You can uh, see them, subscribe, share, like, all of that stuff on our Rumble page. But uh, So get connected. That's super important to help us grow our audience and to reach new people. And just, just stay in the know. But uh, at any rate, here's more breaking news and stories with Emily Alcrez. A Republican Congresswoman has vowed to file impeachment articles against President-elect Joe Biden on his first day in office. In a Twitter post, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia said, quote, 75 million Americans are fed up with inaction. It's time to take a stand. I'm proud to be the voice of Republican voters who have been ignored. Taylor Greene said the impeachment articles would be drawn on the ground that Biden is compromised by foreign financial interests and has a previous record as vice president of abusing power. Green told Newsmax in an interview, quote, We cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the office of the presidency and be easily bought off by foreign governments, by Chinese energy companies and Ukrainian energy companies. A video released by Project Veritas shows the CEO of Twitter saying censorship is not going away anytime soon. Jack Dorsey was also recorded saying, quote, we're focused on one account right now, but this is going to be much bigger than just one account, and it's going to go on for much longer than just this day, this week, and the next few weeks, and go on beyond the inauguration, end quote. An increase of censorship from big tech companies is causing a mass exodus to alternative platforms. After permanently banning President Donald Trump from their platform, Twitter's stock dropped by 10%, and they lost billions of dollars. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection has banned produce from Chinese concentration camps. The CBP announced on Wednesday that it would not allow any cotton or tomato products from Xinjiang, the homeland of the nation's Muslim-majority Uyghurs, an ethnic group which has faced indoctrination, torture, forced sterilization, forced abortions, rape, and slavery at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. CBP had previously limited imports into the United States of Xinjiang cotton products by specific companies believed to benefit from slave labor, but has now expanded that to all Xinjiang cotton. It has not limited shipments from other parts of China where evidence suggests Uyghurs have been bussed in to engage in forced labor. The number of people leaving the Catholic Church in Austria unexpectedly fell in 2020. All Austrian dioceses recorded a 14% decline in the number of people leaving, defying general trends in Europe. In November, the Archdiocese of Vienna also announced a rise in the number of men training for the priesthood, with 14 new candidates entering the Archdiocese's three seminaries this autumn. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. 
Praise be to Jesus Christ and all things. Thank you, Emily, for uh, reading the headline news for us. But uh, joining us right now via the phone is uh, Dr. Ann Hendershot. She is a professor at Franciscan University in Steubenville and the author of The Politics of Envy, uh, published by Sophia. And we want to have a conversation about Marxism, the dangers of Marxism and, and socialism and so much more, and envy itself, uh, with her. But uh, good morning to you, Dr. Ann Hendershot. Good morning. I'm happy to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Uh, praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. You know, oh, today's uh, one of our saints today is Blessed Nicholas Gross, and he is a guy who grew up in Nazi or before Nazi Germany, but lived in the time of, of the rise of Nazism in Germany and fought as a Catholic to uh, change the hearts and minds of those that were uh, persuaded by uh, the National Socialist Movement there and ended up dying a martyr's death as a result to his work uh, trying to uh, share the the truth of the matter. Um, and yet it seems as though, Dr. Hendershot, that maybe society, the world around us, hasn't quite learned its lessons from that time period. I would love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think this um, this plea for socialism that we're seeing right now, and it's being answered, unfortunately, because it seems like the kinder, gentler kind of economic system. Uh, it's presented, socialism is presented as the, the more equal, uh, the kinder way that um, no one has too much, everyone has just enough. And the truth is far from that, because in order for everyone to have exactly the same, you have to take away from many and significantly take away. And it usually ends up in chaos and revolution, as we've seen throughout history. And as we're seeing right now, and that's really why I wrote this book, because I'm trying to understand why this revolution that we're experiencing, because I don't think you can call it anything else, um, is occurring, and I think it's because of envy. Envy is really the basis of socialism. Without envy, there would be no socialism because the bid to socialism is a bid to envy, to get people to be angry and disgruntled and willing to fight because someone else has more than we have, and we don't want them to have it. Mm. And that's really what it is. And Catholics understand this sin probably better than others. And that's really why I use Catholic Publisher and why I'm on your show today, because I think Catholics understand this better than others. Uh, Dr. Ann Hendershot is our guest this morning. We're talking about uh, her book, but Marxism and socialism in general and their roots and, and uh, seeing this stuff in our society. It's interesting you, 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 you talk about the, the envy aspect because it's a conversation that I've had, my wife and I have had with our kids on a number of occasions, but even just recently, and uh, helping them. And I remember just having this, we were having lunch or something, we were, and we were talking about it, and it came up in conversation, and we were trying to explain to our younger ones what envy really is and I would say you know my neighbor has a great truck it's a beautiful truck it's lifted big tires looks beefy I love it uh, now it's one thing to say I appreciate the fact that my neighbor has a great truck it's quite another to say why does my neighbor have a better truck than me and I should destroy that truck because he shouldn't have one. If I can't have it, then neither can he. And yet we live in a day and a time where I, this morning in our What's Concerning Us segment, uh, I was talking about this video that came out yesterday or over the night that Jack Dorsey said, oh, wait, there's more censorship coming. Uh, there's a lot more coming. It's not going to go away anytime soon. And we're seeing a certain segment of society imposing its uh, it, itself in a, in a really forceful way on the 
other segment of society, sort of stealing the voice. Um, could it be that Marxism, envy, and socialism is at the root of all of that, too? Oh, I believe it is. It ab- I absolutely believe it is. He's a multi-billionaire, but his followers are envious. I believe we all have, we all suffer some of this, but we, like with that truck, you, you might admire the truck, you might would like to have a truck like that someday, mm. you don't want to take it away. And that's what envy is. Envy is wanting to remove, as you told your children, <laughs> um, remove that item or that privilege. And so it isn't just material things. In fact, much of the envy comes from seeing people's happiness. I think there's even a faith envy. I've seen it with people who've lost their faith. They detest people who have faith. So I think they're envious of those of us who believe that God is our Savior, that we will be saved, that we will be in heaven someday with him if we leave good lives here on earth. I think there's envy of that even. You can envy anything, not just material things. And envy can destroy not only the individual, but can destroy a society. And I think we're seeing that right now, and that's what worries me. Um, I began this book when I was looking at Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her staff. There's a um, one of her staff members is named Dan Riffle, and his Twitter handle is Every Billionaire a Policy Failure, and he wants to remove wealth from billionaires and millionaires, and he, he doesn't think these people should be allowed to have that money, mm. and he believes that the government should take over their companies. That's what socialism is. Um, the guillotine that was erected in front of Jeff Bezos' house, that's a sign of envy. Jeff Bezos has too much money, according to these people, and we need to take it away. I mean, now, I, I don't like Jeff Bezos. I don't like what he does. I don't like the way he treats his readers of the Washington Post. Um, but I don't want to take away his wealth. I just would prefer that he were a little more honest about maybe his reporting in the Washington Post. But mm. he, he worked hard. He took risks. He deserves wealth. But And who are we to say how much wealth is too much wealth? And But the socialists among us, they have a formula for that, and they're going to use that formula. And the guillotine is, is a deadly symbol of this, of revolution. We saw it in the French Revolution. Um, France won't allow a guillotine in their country, but we're erecting them all over the country. In fact, someone running for office in Maine, Brie Kidman was her name, all of her campaign literature, she's a liberal leftist uh, Democrat, had a guillotine on it. She was promising to kill the rich, really. That's wow. what her subliminal message was. All right, hold that thought there. We're talking with Dr. Ann Hendershot. She's a professor at Franciscan University in Stumaville. She's got a book out called uh, The Politics of Envy. We're talking about Marxism and socialism and their, their symptoms in our society today. All of that is coming up on the other side of this break. More Catholic Drive Time is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. It's a myth that there's a perfect way to be a parent. The reality is that every family, every couple, every child is different. But when parents work together, they can figure it out. We have 10 kids of our own, so we know this path is not an easy one. We used to think that it was our job to make our children into saints. Now we realize that it's their job to make us into saints. This parenting thing is full of dying to self, hardships that are both physical and emotional. Parenting makes you more aware of your sinfulness and weakness more than almost anything else you will ever do. But this is exactly where God wants us, so he can shower us with his mercy and love. 
God doesn't love us in spite of our humanity. He loves us because of it. Parenting is our path to holiness. And as we change and mature, we will be better parents. We may even become saints. To get more advice and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org. The universe is filled with order from top to bottom. And it's a beautiful order. And not only is it beautiful, it's an order that we can actually comprehend. And it's almost as if we have been made to be able to comprehend that order in the universe, to be able to contemplate it so that we can see maybe that purpose behind it. Please visit Father Spitzer's website, magiscenter.com, to watch this beautiful and important video about purpose and God's creation. That's magiscenter.com. Inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. We're having a conversation with Dr. Ann Hendershot. Uh, she is with uh, Franciscan University of Steubenville. We're talking about the politics of envy, Marxism, and socialism in our society. Now, Dr. Hendershot, um, Emily here. So I'm, I'm twi- Hi, Emily. Hi, I'm 23 years old. I am from Generation Z. They call my generation an entitled generation. Um, and, and so many of them, they, we go off to college and they come home socialists. And I think it's because it seems that you're saying socialism passes itself off as empathetic when in reality it's rooted in this spiritual vice or weakness. So can you can you speak on why students are easy targets for the cults of socialism? Yes, I, because in most colleges and universities, the professors are resentful and envious, and they are conveying that to their students. Um, professors, I have a whole chapter on the resentment of professors, and I know them pretty well. Now, I'm blessed to be at Franciscan, which is one of the greats, um, and I don't experience that at all, but I've taught at other universities, and I know of friends um, who are socialists who teach at other universities. And uh, a lot of what they're teaching is this more fair or equitable distribution, there is tremendous resentment among academics because they, they feel like they've worked very hard, they're very smart, and why aren't they paid more? And they're very angry and they hate uh, business leaders, they hate CEOs. Uh, right now, I, I see the business leaders falling all over themselves trying to say, oh no, we're, we're down with the fight, we're down with the revolution. Because if they aren't, they, if they're insufficiently woke, uh, one Twitter executive said CEOs should face a firing squad if they're wow. insufficiently. Um, yes, his name is Dick Costello. He's the former CEO of Twitter, and he posted a tweet um, in last, well, it was October, uh, demanding that uh, CEOs and capitalists who think they can separate society from business should be lined up against the wall and shot in the revolution. So that helps us understand <laughs> that the you know the the pandering that you're seeing by executives mm. to the Biden administration, but Emily, you make a really good point. It seems like the kinder way. Everybody has what they need, and that's really the way Karl Marx sold it himself. But if you know anything about Marx, he was a very disagreeable person. Um, my friend Paul Kangor just wrote a book about the devil in Karl Marx. He felt that it, there was demonic uh, aspects yes. to his work, to his life. It's a great book. I don't know if you've had him on. We're trying to get um, him on. Yeah, put in a good word for us. <laughs> I will. He's a wonderful friend of mine, and I will. Um, I'm sure he would love your audience because they would understand this. 
And he understands. He teaches at the wonderful school, Grove City. They don't even take federal funds because they want to be independent and mm. be able to say the value of the free market. And students aren't taught about the value of the free market in many, of, many campuses beyond Grove City, beyond Franciscan. Um, and it does seem like the kinder one. But we see envy all around us. I, I saw it in the, the hearings for the latest justice. And um, Amy Klobuchar said to the to Justice Amy Comey Barrett that um, she should be sitting in that seat. She was very hostile to the justice, and she said that I should be sitting in. I thought I would be sitting in your seat. I think she thought that she should be the justice, the Supreme wow. Court justice. You know, and she was trying to take it away from uh, our new Supreme Court justice. Yeah, that's what envy is—the desire to remove a privilege or an honor or an item from someone else. They want it because that person has it. And that's really the crux of it. We see it in fairy tales. I have a whole chapter about fairy tales and envy. I mean, it's a really, it's my favorite chapter because I love fairy tales. I love reading to them, them to my grandchildren. But Cinderella is the quintessential fairy tale of envy. The ugly stepsisters and the beautiful Cinderella, beautiful inside and out. And what happens to them in the original fairy tale is their eyes are pecked out mm. so that they can't, just as Dante tells us uh, in the Divine Comedy, that the envious have a very special place in hell. It's a very, very special, awful place. And their eyes are sewn shut with wire in Dante's comedy um, so that they can't see others because envy Seeing others with more inspires envy. So God has a special plan, according to Dante. I mean, we know that's fiction, but there is some truth to that. <laughs> There's and some the inspiration there, for sure. <laughs> yes, I think so. It certainly is chilling to me. I, I find that it is one of the seven deadly sins, and Catholics understand that. Uh, there was a writer who I read uh, researching this book who said, envy is the only one of the seven deadly sins that's no fun at all for anyone. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I think that's fun. Amen. I mean, you know, We're talking with Dr. Ann Hendershot. We're talking about the politics of envy, Marxism and socialism. Uh, you know, one thing I found very fascinating about uh, thinking about this subject is the hypocrisy, though, behind those that would espouse Marxist socialist ideals. Um, you know, they don't like billionaires unless it's their billionaire. Right. Unless it's their favorite billionaire. You know, of yeah. course, Jack Dorsey, Zuckerberg, they get passes. I'm sure George Soros gets a pass in their, in their worldview. Uh, you know, Mao Zedong probably got a pass. Xi Jinping gets a pass. I'm sure Stalin got a pass, all of which were very oh, wealthy yeah. people. And yet, uh, you know, they, they became so off the backs of the, the people, right? Off of the workers that they supposedly exactly. helped to free and to, and to, uh, help. Uh, but we have about seven minutes, six minutes left. In our conversation with you, Dr. Hendershot, I want to turn to liberation theology, especially found in South America, mm-hmm. because that seems like it's really caused quite a bit of problems for the Catholic faithful. Uh, what did you write about th- that in your book? Yeah, I'm very unhappy with the turn to our church to um, return to this idea of liberation theology and the people's church. Uh, your point about, you know, how when they take over in the revolution, the Marxist take care of themselves. We saw that in Nicaragua when the Sandinistas marched into Managua. They took all the best houses for themselves, mm. the leaders and the generals in that revolution. And we're going to see that again. And I worry about Pope Francis. I mean, I love Pope Francis in so many ways. He's a kind and gentle man. 
but he comes from Argentina. He has seems to have elevated some of the old liberation theologians, and I worry about them because I don't want to see our church going in that direction. I wasn't pleased. Dr. Hendershot, could you explain the term liberation theology? Because I think a lot of people, we see it, we hear it, but we don't have a name for it. So could you explain what liberation theology is? Marxism, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that's that's too simplistic. I know, but it is it's a form of Marxism. It it's a, a liberation theology is a theology from the people, and it can reject much of doctrine and dogma and practice, and it it elevates the people's religion, and um, that's what worries me about it because it can become anything. And Saint uh, Pope John Paul II was so worried about it, he ended it right away. And, and on an airport tarmac, he shook his finger at some liberation theologians. I remember. And said, this has got to stop. This has got to stop. And I think it's got to stop. Uh, Pope Francis, in his latest, um, I mean, I said he channeled Robespierre in his encyclical Fratelli Tutti, which had a lot of wonderful things in it. But he has a section called Liberty, Egality, Fraternity, which is directly from the French Revolution, that that liberty, fraternity, and equality is from the French Revolution. I don't know if he knows that, but he titled the whole section that in his, it's section 103, if anyone wants to read the papal document. Because it's otherwise a very, very good document, but he condemns individualism, which he should, but he also elevates uh, liberation theology, and that worries me a lot. And I understand his sympathies lie with the left because of, he had a, a tough growing up period in Argentina um, with the Perones and the legacy of the Perones. But uh, I worry about liberation theology. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Ann Hendershot. We've got about uh, five minutes left in our program. Uh, a professor at Franciscan University in Steubenville got a book out called The Politics of Envy, and we're kind of discussing that. Uh, but, you know, I'll never forget. Um, watching the video out of the autonomous zone mm. in uh, in Portland when they took over that section of town. Chaz. At Ch- they called it Chaz. But then there was a guy on a bullhorn in the middle of the night, you know, shouting to the people there that they're going to rename it Chop after the French Revolution and the guillotine, chopping off the heads. So they renamed it from Chaz to Chop because of the French Revolution. And these are people who were espousing these Marxist and socialist ideals. And I thought, that is that is very scary and very dangerous conversation, very dangerous uh, ideology that can have dramatic effects in our culture. And I think we're seeing that. But with four minutes on the clock, uh, three and a half minutes now, uh, last word, Dr. Hendershot, what do we do? How, what do we go from well, here? I, do. Oh, I worry so much. Well, politics is not the answer, and I think Catholics know that. Amen. And they cannot be defeated by politics. Mm-hmm. It can only be defeated by what I call a heroic attitude, what Rene Girard, uh, the French theorist that I use in the book. Um, God is really the only thing that changes hearts and minds. Forgiveness, we, we just can't continue. I mean, both sides are escalating in their violence. The right is saying they're just defending people when they showed up at the Capitol with zip ties to, I don't know what they were using the zip ties for, but it worries me. They're Mm. they're saying they're defending the country from the chop people, but the chop people think they're defending the country from the right. Um, Nobody wins in this. Yeah. Honestly, I worry about this. Me too. Me too. Uh, Well, I think, uh, can we say at least... 
the parents have an opportunity here to uh, help make sure their kids are educated against you know, uh, knowing right. the true Marxist everything. roots and, and socialism roots aren't good, and we got to prepare them before we ship them off to colleges all over the country and just <laughs> let them have uh, let them have free access to uh, to the crazy town, right? We have to prepare them better for that. We do, and Shakespeare prepares them. If, as long as they have a good grounding, and I think Catholic classical education is a good way to start. A lot of homeschoolers are ready for that kind of onslaught when they get to university. Amen. Because they've had, yeah, they've read Shakespeare. They've read the fairy tales. They, they know right. this. Well, praise okay. be to Jesus Christ, Dr. Ann Hendershot, a professor thank Franciscan you. in Subaville. Thank you so much for thank being you. on our program and uh, having thank this you. conversation with us today. We are very grateful. God thank bless you. So you. God love you. Have a great Bye. day. God bless you. All right, that's going to do it for Hour 1 of uh, Catholic Drive Time. If you can join us in the next hour, we sure would love to have you. We're going to have uh, breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, Gospel Day. We'll have the game show, last three opportunities to win the prize today. Plus, we're going to have a conversation with Teresa Kamara from the Houston Coalition for Life organization about the pro-life stories of the week. She's going to catch us up on all the pro-life stories. That's all coming up. If you can join us, we would love to have you. Otherwise, we'll see you on Monday. God love you. God bless you. And have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Don, why do Catholics confess their sins to a priest rather than going directly to God? Because that's the way God set things up for us to receive His forgiveness. In James 5.16, God, through sacred scripture, commands us to confess our sins to one another. Scripture does not say confess your sins straight to God and only to God. It says confess your sins to one another. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus tells us that he was given authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Scripture proceeds to tell us in verse 8 that this authority was given to men, plural. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, we just saw in Matthew 9 that the Father sent Jesus with the authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, Jesus sends out his disciples as the Father has sent him. So what authority must Jesus be sending his disciples out with? The authority on earth to forgive sins. And listen to the next two verses. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Why would Jesus give the apostles the power to forgive or retain sins if he wasn't expecting folks to confess their sins to them? That's crazy. And how could they forgive or retain sins if no one was confessing their sins to them? The Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. It also tells us that God gave men the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus sends out his disciples with the authority on earth to forgive sins. When Catholics confess our sins to a priest, we are simply following the plan laid down by Jesus Christ. He forgives sins through the priest. It is God's power, but he exercises that power through the ministry of the priest. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Uh, Mr. 
Miyagi, I heard that the GRN is raffling off a 2021 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250. Miyagi loves support Catholic Radio on GRN. Where can you get tickets? Thing called internet. <laughs> Go to grnonline.com. One ticket, $25. Five ticket, $100. Drawing in the March 1st. Name drawn March 4th. What are you going to do if you win? Give to you. Practice. Wax on, wax off. Welcome to your Catholic drive time. Keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise God. How was your day? Sun is coming up, at least where I'm sitting. If you're on the East Coast, Massachusetts or New York or Pennsylvania or Maryland or Virginia, Florida, you probably already have sun in the sky. But I love a good sunrise, don't you? Boy, nothing like a good sunrise or a sunset to just inspire me. I love it. So praise God. I'm looking out the window right now at that. And I'm just praying for your day. We're going to be praying for your intentions today and uh, asking Our Lady to intercede for you and whatever that might uh, might mean for you and for your family. Hopefully, uh, you, you know, everything's fine. But we're going to pray for your intentions. On the show today, we're going to have a great hour this hour. We're looking forward to it. We have, of course, uh, breaking news and stories. Uh, that's going to be on the program. Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, the game show, Three Last Opportunities. I've got the questions in my hand here. Three last opportunities to get on, on the $200 value prize pack from TAN. That's going to be super awesome. And then, of course, uh, we're going to have a conversation later in the hour with Teresa Kamara, who is our sort of in-house pro-life uh, you know, guest. She's going to be on the program to give us all of the latest stories from the week from a pro-life perspective. So we're looking forward to having her back on the program. But uh, good morning to you, Emily. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Praise God I'm alive. Happy Friday. I heard yeah. you have some fun plans this weekend. I do. I've got uh, part of my, my clan here, three of my children anyway, and we are going to go camping this weekend. So we get off the air. We're going to prepare to head out uh, to camp. I haven't been able to camp in a long time, so I'm looking forward to that. And the kids love to go camping. So we have a, a car full of stuff. I always take too much camping, I think. <laughs> Like, at the time when I'm packing, it seems reasonable. Like, oh, I definitely need that. I have to have that with me. <laughs> and then I almost never use it when I'm on the camping trip. It just It's more stuff in the car. Do, I, we, do you go camping at all? I think they call that glamping. Glamping. Like, glamorous camping when you have too much stuff. No. And <laughs> no, no. We camp in a tent, and it's not glamping. But I will have to admit publicly, this is the first year I actually bought a like a space heater. Wow. That's, that's glamping, Joe. A, a propane <laughs> space glamping. heater. Because normally when we go camping, it's free. It's like freezing. And I actually enjoy the suffering part component of camping. Good. You know, where you're up all night shivering with hypothermia. It's very Catholic of you. It, uh, yeah. And you get up in the middle of the night because you, you can't sleep because the teeth are rattling too hard. <laughs> and you look at the stars and you're like, there's a God and he is amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, Amen. But I bought a heater. So yeah, this year you have a heater. I saw a generator back there. Yeah. I, no. I think I saw. You taking a TV too? Yeah. It's, it, I was a little confused. A little okay. So it's less suffering, less penitential. Because you know, honestly, 2021 is going to provide all the suffering I'm going to need. That's true. So is- I figure I might as well enjoy my camping now. I'll give you this one, Joe. Okay. Well, so that, that's on the docket this weekend. But uh, at any rate, let's begin our show this hour. By the way, good morning to you, Adrian Fonsegum. Good morning. Uh, I, I always forget to. Oh, he's to, here too. Uh, yeah. It's Okay, I'm just thinking about the sunrise, you know. (laughs) At any rate, let's pray. Whatever your intentions are, dear listener, we're going to include those in our prayers. I'm going to pray for my family, obviously. Got to pray for our weekend. Hopefully, everything goes really well. Nobody gets hurt. Uh, Pray for our media apostolate here at the Guadalupe Radio Network and for the success of our car raffle, uh, Mercedes, by the way. You could possibly win a Mercedes. Go to grnonline.com for the details. But uh, praying for our show today, our equipment and our team and our, our guest as well. So let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcarez. President-elect Joe Biden announced yesterday a $1.9 trillion stimulus plan to address the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. Called the American Rescue Plan, the legislative proposal would meet Biden's goal of administering 100 million vaccines by the 100th day of his administration, while advancing his objective of reopening most schools by the spring. It includes $1,400 checks for most Americans and would also boost unemployment benefits and a moratorium on evictions and foreclosures through September. It also shoehorns in the long-term Democratic policy aim of increasing the minimum wage to $15 an hour and expanding paid leave for workers across the economy. Next Wednesday, when Biden will be sworn in as president, marks the one-year anniversary of the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in the United States. A NASA scientist has pleaded guilty to lying about ties with communist China. Mia Miapan pleaded guilty to lying about his ties to China's Thousand Talents program that the U.S. government accuses of luring Chinese overseas talent and foreign experts to the communist country and rewarding them for stealing information. The plea came one day before the Justice Department also announced the arrest of Gang Chen, a professor and researcher at MIT for failing to disclose contracts, appointments, and awards from various entities in China to the U.S. Department of Energy. And also seven months after Harvard University professor Charles Lieber was indicted for making false statements about his involvement in the Chinese Communist Party's Thousand Talents program. The London-based HSBC has threatened to shut down customers' bank accounts if they refuse to mask up during visits to the the bank's U.K. branches. In America, a New Jersey governor has wiped out a gym's bank account for remaining open in defiance of the lockdown. In a post on Instagram, the gym owner, Ian Smith, said, quote, Governor Murphy took it upon himself to empty our bank account entirely to the tune of $165,000. The gym now faces a $15,000 fine for every day it remains open. A 6.2 magnitude earthquake in Indonesia has killed at least 35 people. 
Authorities reported that the quake, which happened early this morning, injured hundreds of people, caused three landslides, cut electricity, damaged bridges, and destroyed homes. There have been at least 26 aftershocks, and they could still potentially trigger a tsunami in the area. And today's quake was also preceded by a 5.9 magnitude earthquake on Thursday afternoon. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Nicholas Gross, pray for us. Born September the 30th, 1898. He was a minor. He was a father of seven. He was also a journalist, uh, heavily involved in the the Christian Miners Labor Union. Became uh, their secretary at age 22. Worked in the West German Workers newspaper, the newspaper of the Catholic Workers. Uh, He became the director at age 24. This was a time in Germany when Nazism was on the rise and many people we're buying into this uh, socialist, uh, Marxist vision of the future, which he saw as very dangerous. And he worked to try to sway people, especially Catholics and, and distinguished Catholics among the society, to see the truth of the matter and help to change the hearts and minds of the people. Now, he also supported, or in some nonviolent way, the... Uh, the, the the assassination attempt that would be planned for July 20th, 1944 of Adolf Hitler. I'm not sure of the details of how his organization helped with that process, but he did in fact help, although neither he nor uh, any of his members were implicated in the assassination attempt. You might remember Tom Cruise did a movie on that, The Rise of Valkyrie, I think it was what it was called. However, Nicholas Gross was arrested on the 12th of August, 1944 for treason. He was sentenced on uh, January 15th, the very next year. And then on the 23rd of January, 1945, he was executed in prison. His body was cremated and his ashes were scattered. He would be uh, canonized on the 7th of October, 2001 by Pope St. John Paul II at St. Peter's in Rome. Now, Blessed Nicholas would say, We Catholic workers strongly and clearly reject national socialism not only for political and economic reasons, but also, decidedly, because of our religious and cultural position. Blessed Nicholas Gross, pray for us. The gospel comes to us from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him. After they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or... To say, rise, pick up your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat, and go home. He rose 
He picked up his mat at once and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The Gospel of the Lord. Is Jesus God? Yes. I think that's pretty clear. Just looking at this this passage, I, I love this passage today. It's a passage I have often referenced in, in in apologetic work, you know, defending, giving a reasonable defense for what the church teaches in regards to confession or even infant baptism. I've referenced this passage on many occasions, or the divinity of Christ. He not only heals the person, so whatever's causing this uh, paralysis of this person can't can't stand up against Jesus's word. Number one, number two, he knows the thoughts, the interior thoughts, and the hearts and the minds of those sitting around him, and then calls them out publicly as a result to what they were thinking. And then, of course, the thought of the scribe was, "Who but God can forgive sins?" And Jesus responds, "Yea and amen." I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yay and amen, of course. He can read the minds, he can heal, and he can forgive. This is God in flesh standing in front of you. Let your heart skip a beat on that one. And of course, I love how he sees the faith of those that brought this person on the mat to be healed. Like a parent, like parents do when they bring their infant child to the church, to Christ himself, to receive the uh, sacrament of baptism. Uh, the, the parents are acting in faith on behalf of that child, which cannot act for themselves. Like these men acted in faith on behalf of the paralytic who could not act for themselves. It's a beautiful passage. Emily, Adrian. Yeah, what really struck me from this gospel passage is that it's really a meditation on intercession. And we see here the four friends... Um, usually when you see Jesus healing, he heals someone because of their the person's faith, the sick person. But here we see Jesus healed the man because of the faith of his friends. So it doesn't even mention whether or not the paralytic had faith in Jesus or believed in Jesus. And I know this is particularly striking for the parents, the mothers and fathers uh, who are listening, who have children that have fallen away from the faith. So your intercession is powerful. And so if you continue to pray and have faith, Jesus will see your faith and he is working. I know in my own life, my parents prayed and prayed and fasted for many years for my return to the church. And in the end, Jesus saw their faith and he gave me the grace of conversion because of their intercession. And so this this passage shows how powerful intercession can really be. Adrian? Yeah, so y'all took the easy route, uh, <laughs> took the easy passage, the interpretation. I really like what Joe said about the uh, about proving that this is God. Michael Lofton did a great uh, debate on reason and theology with the Muslim about whether or not uh, Jesus is God, and he used this passage to talk about that. Uh, but uh, Alapide, he talks about how the forebearers of the man, the paralytic, were uh, signified uh, the virtues of prudence, fortitude, justice, and temperance, and that these are the virtues that hold up your faith. See, prudence is the virtue in which you uh, you make the wise decisions. Fortitude is the uh, virtue of which you have the bravery to and like to actually act out those uh, that prudent decisions that you make. Justice is giving to God and to your neighbor what is due to them, and temperance is not to go to excess of any uh, of anything. So, I think those are the uh, the four virtues that we need to incul- uh, to um, to foster in our own lives and will imbo- uh, lift up our faith so to bring us closer to God. 
Amen. Praise be to God. Chew on the gospel today, and uh, you're going to get a lot out of it, I promise. Before we go to our break and and, uh, go into our game show segment, a great opportunity to win the big prize. $200 value the prize this week from TAN. It's a a collection of children's books. We're going to draw a name out today. After the bottom of the hour break, we'll draw that name out, announce that winner live on air. But you can have a chance to get into that drawing. Three more chances on the other side of the break. However, before I do that, I want to mention Starting on Monday of the 18th, that's this coming Monday after the weekend, the Mass will begin to air live. It's a live Mass broadcast out of the Corpus Christi Chapel, and that will air 7.30 Central, 8.30 Eastern this coming Monday and on in this hour. So look, I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. Catholic Drive Time will, will end our program at 7.30, and we will go into uh, just what we call the after show on social media uh, alone. So Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, that kind of thing. So if you want to be a part of that, you certainly can, but we will be broadcasting across the Guadalupe Radio Network and beyond uh, a live broadcast mass starting at 7.30 this coming Monday, and then it'll be there every day thereafter, and I hope you'll be a part of that. Also coming up next week, we've got new shows that'll begin to roll out in the 4 o'clock Central Time Zone, 5 o'clock Eastern Time Zone, uh, rolling starting out next week. So we'll have new shows. That, I think there's going to be two rolling out next week. One is going to be the David O'Gray Show, and then we have a show that comes to us uh, from our, our uh partners, our friends up at Station of the Cross. And so uh, you should be hearing spots on the radio, you're sort of uh, promoting these, but I'm just telling you, look forward to this. This is some good programming that's going to be heading your way, and we're, we have new shows coming out in that slot, 4 o'clock Central, that'll be rolling out in the days and weeks to come. So all of that's going to start next week. But we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. Our Catholic Trivia Game Show is next up. We're looking for a contestant. Phone lines are wide open. First caller gets to be that contestant. That could be you. Uh, just call 877-757-9424 if you'd like to be that contestant. We are grateful for everyone who tries to get in on the game show. If you've played before, well, take a pause. Let someone else get a chance in it. We uh, we want to give everybody an opportunity. 877-757-9424 is the number to call. Going to go... To a break, be back with the game show plus our conversation with Teresa Kamara. All the pro life news is still to come in this hour. We'll be right back. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. 
I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to the uh, Catholic Trivia Game Show, where you get to work out your salvation and fear and trembling. Actually, that's not true. Although I stole that line from someone famous, and I'm still waiting. If anybody knows where I stole it from and could post that in the comment section on Catholic Drive, facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time, I may put you in the cup as a one-chance opportunity. Uh, but you can't Google it. You can't Google it. That'd be cheating. Put it in the comments. I'll throw you in the cup. All right, so here's the deal. This is how the game works. I have three questions in my hand. I have three opportunities to get into the uh, the, the drawing this week. And uh, I don't ask the questions to uh, the, the guest, right? So the caller who calls us, you don't get the questions. Instead, Emily and Adrian get the questions. One of them has a right answer. One has a wrong answer. It's a setup. You're being set up. I'm telling you. I'm just warning you. They have conspired against us. One has the right answer. The other is not telling the truth. All right? And then uh, the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they want to go with, Emily or Adrian. Every right question gets a, a chance in the coffee cup of Divine Providence for a huge prize this week, Emily. That's right. This week, our sponsor is TanBooks.com, and TanBooks is giving away their huge 20-book set of Mary Fabian Windet Lives of the Saints for Children. So this is uh, valued at over $200 regularly, although it is on sale for their website for $96 right now. But if you call in, you could get a chance to win the pack this week. All right. So praise be to God. Let's go to our our phone lines. And we did have several calls come in. Again, thank you for everybody who tries to call in and be a part of our show. But Aureli, good morning to you. Thank you for being on our program. Hi, good morning. Um, glad you're all on our show today. Where are you calling from? Hey, uh, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. Nice. Praise God. Uh, have you have you have you understand the rules? Have you heard how the game is played? I have, yes. My husband got me into it, so I've been listening every day. <laughs> I tried yesterday, and, and they say, use number two. I'm like, oh, man. Oh, oh so that's close. awesome. You got it yeah, today. Yeah. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. I'm very excited. Well, prayerfully, we'll, we'll learn a little something together. We'll laugh a little together. It'll be a lot of fun, and you'll get some chances to win the very cool prize from Tan Publishing this week. Aureli, are you ready to go? Yes, sir. All right. As is our custom, we start with Emily Alcarez. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Let's do this. Okay. Here we go. What term refers to the sorrow for sin because of the love of God? What term refers to the sorrow for sin because of the love of God? 
Okay, so the reason I know this is because this is a requirement for a lot of indulgences. Mm. Uh, so usually when you're trying to get an indulgence, you need perfect contrition, which is perfect sorrow for your sins. Perfect, so th- perfect sorrow? Yes. Okay, so your answer is perfect contrition. Yes. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Okay. Adrian, Adrian, what term refers to the sorrow for sin because of the love of God? Uh, I forgot to turn my mic on. Uh, the sorrow for sin, for love of God, um, I'm going to say an apology. An apology. An apology. Yep. Are you sure? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, Adrian is on the hook for apology. Uh, can we say it in the Greek version? Apologia? Can we no, say it? no, that's different. That's, that's different. That's so, a defense. Okay, that's so defense. Adrian is on the hook for apology. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily is on the hook for perfect contrition. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Aureli, what say you? Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say Emily. Survey says? Yay. Congratulations. And Joe, Very Joe, good. I forgot to mention, I have yeah. my assistant, Daniel McLean, here. Yeah. He's putting Aureli's name in the coffee cup of divine providence. Daniel Jude, thanks for uh, participating in the game show. And, uh, and uh, you put the, an opportunity for Aureli to win. Aureli, you're in the coffee cup. Congratulations. That's exciting. You may, in fact, win today. Uh, but you get two more okay. chances. Are you ready to go? Yes. We should mention real quick, though, there is a difference between contrition and perfect contrition when, when you go to confession. Really quick, you got uh, five seconds, Adrian. What's the diff? What's the difference between contrition and perfect contrition? Well, yes. contrition is simply sorrow for your sins, so whether and that uh, can be sorrow because you're scared of going to hell, whereas perfect contrition is purely out of the love of God and purely? hatred for your uh, sin. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right. Teachable moment yeah. there. Second question, Adrian, we start with you. Are you ready? Absolutely. Besides believing what God has revealed, what else must we do to be saved? Ah, I love this question because uh, the heresy of sola fide, faith alone, uh, is easily combated because you have to do the will of the Father. Hmm. Way more specific in this answer, I noticed, than the last one. Yep. You uh, must know and keep his law. You must. So your answer is you must know and keep his law in addition. Absolutely. All right. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, besides believing what God has revealed, what else must we do to be saved? You have to believe it in your heart, but you also have to profess it with your words. Ooh. Okay. So you're saying, in addition, you must profess with your words. Emily's on the hook for profess with your words. Adrian is on the hook for must obey the uh, God's law. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Aureli, what say you? And I would say both, but I'm gonna go with Adrian. <laughs> uh, I love when people go. With survey them. says. Congratulations! That was a really congratulations. It is tempting to go with both. I, both, I would I would yeah. agree. But the correct answer, in fact, was we must also keep His law. I'm thinking of John chapter 15. Uh, if you love me, you will obey me. Jesus says. All right, very good. Amen. Third question, third opportunity to get into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's huge package of children's books from Tan Publishing. Are you ready, Arelli? Yes, I am. This is the. This is a truly tricky question this time. We're, we're back to Emily. Emily, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Emily, the red worn by cardinals is called what? Okay, this is a tough question. This is actually tricky. 
Because it's not what you would think. It's not what you think. Yeah, the red, which is worn by cardinals, is actually called sacred purple. Sacred purple. Yes. The red that is worn by cardinals is the sacred purple. Could be reasonable right there. Uh, Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, the red worn by cardinals is called what? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say that the red that cardinals wear is called cardinal red. (laughs) (laughs) I I bet that's the answer. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, that's that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. (laughs) Okay, Adrian's on the hook for cardinal red, and Emily is on the hook for sacred purple. Who's right? Who's wrong? 15 seconds on the clock. Arelli, what say you? Oh, okay. Mm, I would say it's Emily. Survey says, "There we go. Yes. There's no, there, there's no fool in Arelli. I mean, she's got this nailed down. Congratulations, Arelli. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence for three chances today. How exciting is that? It's a blessed day. Yeah. So we're going to be pulling the name after our bottom of the hour break. So we'll do the news, and then we'll pull have uh, Daniel Jude." Joseph McLean over here, one of my sons, uh, pull your, uh, maybe your name or someone else's names. God will be done and all of that. Real quick, before we go to break, though, I just want to mention a teachable moment. Why is the Cardinals uh, cassock red? Emily, do you know? Do you know? I was trying to look it up, but uh, I'm not sure. It's because uh, he's called to be a martyr, called to shed his blood. Called to shed his blood like Christ on the cross and be a martyr for the faith, to sacrifice himself for the mission of the church. So you knew it, Adrian? Yeah. <laughs> cardinal Red, he did say it. He did yeah. say it. Well, the, I do know the Cardinal, the bird, is named after the Cardinal Red that the, that the Cardinals wear. All right. Wow. Well, Aureli, uh, thanks for being on our program today. It was so good to have you on. Thank you. God love Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys have a pleasant. We're going to put you on hold God in case you. you are the winner, and we'll... Uh, We'll get your information. If we pull your name out, we'll have to call you back to hook you up with the prize pack from Tan. $200 value of children's books. Thank you, Tan, for sponsoring our game show this week. We're very grateful to you. Um, But uh, dear listener, dear audience, stick around. There's still a lot of Catholic Drive time to come. More breaking news and stories after the break. Plus, we'll pull the winner out. And we're going to have a conversation with Teresa Kamara from HoustonCoalition.com about all the pro-life news from this week and beyond. Coming up next. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus crosses the Sea of Galilee with his disciples and quickly falls asleep, even as their boat is amidst a huge, life-threatening storm. The text says that the sea was literally shaking like an earthquake. Imagine the disciples' fear as they awake, their master saying, Master, do you not care that we perish? Note that they wouldn't have been in this dangerous situation if they had not gotten in the boat to begin with. They are committed, no matter how big the storm. After setting sail in his boat of radical missionary discipleship, it can often seem that God is asleep or uncaring when we are troubled by the storms of life. The good news is that he is in fact always there and always ready to calm the storm when the time is right. Sometimes the storms are there to show us our total dependence on him and not on ourselves. Jesus, we trust in you. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. 
Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines. A Republican congresswoman has vowed to file impeachment articles against President-elect Joe Biden on his first day in office. In a Twitter post, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia said, quote, 75 million Americans are fed up with inaction. It's time to take a stand. I'm proud to be the voice of Republican voters who have been ignored. Taylor Greene said the impeachment articles would be drawn on the ground that Biden is compromised by foreign financial interests and has a previous record as vice president of abusing power. Green told Newsmax in an interview, quote, We cannot have a president of the United States that is willing to abuse the power of the office of the presidency and be easily bought off by foreign governments, by Chinese and Ukrainian energy companies. A video released by Project Veritas shows the CEO of Twitter saying censorship is not going away anytime soon. Jack Dorsey was also recorded saying, quote, we are focused on one account right now, but this is going to be much bigger than just one account, and it's going to go on for much longer than just this day, this week, and the next few weeks, and go on beyond the inauguration. An increase of censorship from big tech companies is causing a mass exodus to alternative platforms. After permanently banning President Donald Trump from their platform, Twitter's stock dropped by 10%, and they lost billions of dollars. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection has banned produce from Chinese concentration camps. The CBP announced on Wednesday that it would not allow any cotton or tomato products from Xinjiang, the homeland of the nation's Muslim-majority Uyghurs, an ethnic group which has faced indoctrination, torture, forced sterilization, forced abortions, rape, and slavery at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. CBP had previously limited imports into the United States of Xinjiang cotton products by specific companies believed to benefit from slave labor, but has now expanded that to all Xinjiang cotton. It has not limited shipments from other parts of China, where evidence suggests that Uyghurs have been bussed in to engage in forced labor. The number of people leaving the Catholic Church in Austria unexpectedly fell in 2020. All Austrian dioceses recorded a 14% decline in the number of people leaving, defying general trends in Europe. In November, the Archdiocese of Vienna also announced a rise in the number of men training for the priesthood, with 14 new candidates entering the Archdiocese's three seminaries this autumn. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Friday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date on the breaking stories, even though most of your information is very depressing. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, though. I appreciate you. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It is the headlines. It is what it is. And we need to know what's going on out there before we get to uh, the coffee pot and have to have to explain some things to our coworkers, friends, family members, etc. But at any rate, we're going to pull out the name now. It's time to draw the winner of uh, this week's uh, Fear and Trembling Game Show. So uh, one more time on the sponsor of our, our game show this week. This week, TanBooks.com is giving away their Mary Fabian Windet. 20 set book uh lives of the saints yeah it's a 200 value i know you can buy it for cheaper right now it's on discount but overall it's 200 value it's a pretty good deal all children's books it's a wonderful time we have the cup we have our our uh, assistant here daniel jude ready to pull the name danny are you ready yeah 
All right. Uh, give it a no. Hold up. Uh, you shake it. You got to shake it. We want to make it as fair as possible. Mix it all up. Give it a mix and then uh, give give a name. Pull all out name and give sticky. one to Miss Alcaraz. You mixed it very well. Good job, Daniel. Oh. They're sticking. They're sticking together. We got to make this a fair and free out. election. Okay. Okay. You can pick one. Oh. Okay. Here we go. Here we have a is. name. Whoever this is, it's and God's And the winner will. is. Oh, Arelli. Are- oh. oh, from today. Congratulations. Congratulations. I promise you I made the boy scramble it all up. Uh, but Arelli, <laughs> congratulations uh, for winning this week's prize pack. And thanks for being a part of our program. Uh, God is so very good. We'll be in touch and connect you to our, our sponsor. And hopefully they'll get that off to you very, very quickly. Uh, once again, thank you to Tan Publishing for underwriting the show. Next week, new opportunity, new chance uh, to be a part of the game show. Even though the mass starts at 7.30 on Monday, we will still do the game show at 7.15 and in uh, starting on Monday. But anyway, Teresa Kamara, HoustonCoalition.com. Good morning to you, and uh, good to have you back on the program. Good morning, Joe. It's great to be back. Yeah, praise God. In studio, we've had two in-studio guests this week. Yeah. It feels really good. Yeah, praise God. Now, uh, pro-life news. Yes. There's a lot to talk about. Yes. Um, Can we start with the big pro-life march that's coming up in D.C.? Absolutely. So, in D.C., there is the March for Life that happens every year, their theme being Together Strong Life Unites. And, of course, there is typically a national pro-life summit in conjunction with that. Um, That is actually going to be postponed this year. But the march itself that's scheduled for January the 29th is still happening at this point. Uh, So, it's very important for people to just stay up to date at marchforlife.org. There are 26 other locations around the nation that um, some of them are still taking effect. Some of them are still going to be in person. Um, I believe the West Coast is still in person. They're not going to have an actual rally on site, but they're going to march together. Um, Then we've got Oregon um, actually decided to cancel this year. Mm. Uh, Texas has decided to go virtual. So what's going to end up happening is they're going to have speakers in Austin, but because of um, restrictions on the ground, they're only going to be able to have 10 people gathering. So they're going to highlight other cities around Texas, other you know, crisis pregnancy centers. They can only have 10 people gathering? Yes. Did you say Texas or Portland, Oregon? So, <laughs> Texas, I, I in Austin specifically. Really? Austin specifically. Yeah, yes, so it's not in every friends, city. Yeah, me and some friends are actually heading over to Dallas and to do the March for Life there because of the whole thing going on in Austin. So what they're going to do, they're going to do a, a caravan for life and they're going to actually be in, people can be in their cars. So some of these rallies that are going to be taking, across, uh, taking place across the nation will have drive-in uh, drive-in conferences. Um, and so we encourage you to look online, look on your diocesan websites. I know the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston locally has a whole day of events planned, um, including an online conference. So even if you're in Oregon or if you're in New York, you can tune into those as well. Um, so, so I really encourage you to look online, expect there to be virtual events. Don't expect to just be able to check out. You don't have permission to just check out because it's mm-hmm. hard. Um, so, so yeah. Do, is there any foresee? Have you read anything about the being having any troubles with the DC rally? I mean, uh, I, I was a little concerned about the presence of the National Guard and the lockdown 
of D.C.? Well, the March for Life, fortunately, has been going on for many years and has a history of being peaceful. Um, and so the thing is, and people who have been involved with their leadership, mm. as far as, you know, a lot of them are church run. They have been, the church has been very complying um, with state regulations mm-hmm. um, as far as the um, like 40 days for life has been very involved and there have been peaceful uh, demonstrations in front of abortion facilities continuing through a pandemic year we're still seeing um, hundreds of women choosing life you know and so it's still it's still happening like there's still people that are going out there so I think it can be peaceful we did see that concern you know a while back with Nick Sandman mm-hmm. where he was targeted and so I think it's really important for the youth and for the adults to just keep in mind like we're going to expect to be attacked that's that's normal that's not going to be new but what's going to be, be critical is it's not going to be as big no I, I really don't think so I think a lot of people are going to choose to be virtual I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are going to be choose to, to be uh, you know they're going to need to be spread out they're going to need to bring their own food and their own water um and so uh, like i said a lot a lot of the conferencing is going to be toned down it's going to be going virtual um but at the same time there will be people that will be present unless they're told they cannot come wow. by the president that's going to be inaugurated just I, do you, a week beforehand do you just think 90 days beforehand that do you think if january 6th uh the if you think do you think the if the breach part didn't happen yes do you think the march this year would be as big as previous years no i i don't think it would be as big i just think that i do think that the, the there is a huge concern because of what happened at the capitol which was extremely distressing it was an attack upon our democracy in many ways um and and i don't think and what's sad is you know as we're watching these videos come out mm. um and that potentially are going to be off the internet soon like there were there were people who looked like police officers waving them in at certain oh, points. Yeah, there and was so, also anti- so there known is, Antifa members arrested. There's articles all over and the Black internet. Right. Matter you know, yeah. BLM and Antifa so, guys so are being arrested. The thing is, like, anytime that you have a crowd, there's going to be the bad apple that tries to ruin everything for I, everyone else. But, and so the, the key is in your, you know, make a decision as a person to be peaceful, to be prayerful, to be focused on but, but spreading the joy of life. But you don't think it's the numbers in, at the March for Life will be affected by what happened on the 6th? I, I don't. I get a feeling that they might no, be. No, I, I don't A lot know. of people may refrain from going because they just don't know how things are going to go. Especially because well, there's so many young people, like children and teenagers, high schoolers going. Well, there is some concern as to whether or not someone's going to hijack any, any, given, yeah. any given event you at any given time. You don't know what the shenanigans are going to be. But the thing is, I really think people People are going to take the most concern over their particular health, their particular circumstances, and they're going to use common sense about whether or not that they should personally come mm. out. Um, and I do think that a lot of people will be joining virtually. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there there will be there will be opportunities throughout the nation. Um, there will be opportunities um, throughout the day um, and throughout um, on on the twenty second and the twenty third and the 29th with specifically with the March for Life. So, um, so yeah, so go ahead and stay up to date through your various. Um, Diocesan websites through the MarchForLife.org, and um, and through your pro-life network Amen. that you're aware of. So, um, also in good news at the beginning of this year, um, Missouri has been reported to be the first state without any abortions occurring. Wow. Yay, praise God. So, hooray, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome. Um, there is, Planned Parenthood is still in operation at that location, um, And but as far as we know, that that's what's happening in Missouri. And there is also... Um, another state, South Dakota, that is only, supposedly there was a report that came out saying that they're only doing abortions 
once a month. Now, they are definitely open beyond that, but they're claiming to only do abortions once a month. So um, we need to keep that in our prayers just to go ahead and, and that God will bring about the ability of their conversion so that way it's stopped. And I think that's really going to be key right now for us to focus in on um, because a lot of the abortion network relies on the fact that women are going to continue to choose abortion. So we need to really instill in women that that understanding of their own dignity, of the dignity of their child, that there are resources in their area. Look at optionline.org is one example. Optionline.org um, will network them with crisis pregnancy centers in their area, maternity homes, adoption agencies, um, you know, gr- various pro-life groups so that way they can be as connected as possible with the resources because we are not just going to be handed the world on a silver platter. Like, we have to work for it. We have to go yeah. toward... Um, we have to go toward God with the information that we have and um, with our with our will, with our yeah. willpower in the moment. So it's very important to remember that that child has been created at this moment mm-hmm. for a special purpose. That mother has been chosen as a mother, even if that means having the courage to place that child for adoption. I actually have a, a friend right now. She's in process of adopting a baby girl who is unborn. They have already adopted a little boy. She and her husband have already adopted a little boy. And so please keep you know those families in your prayers as well because the women can still choose to decide to parent. And that is a beautiful thing. Amen. But at the same time, like there are these parents who are available who want to adopt infants. And so we yeah. really need to change the conversation about uh, adoption and be able to see it as a welcoming and building of the family. Um, and so also... I I highly recommend um, for your New Year's. Uh, we haven't talked since the New Year, so <laughs> in part of your New Year's resolutions, I hope you will pick up Trent Horn's Persuasive Pro Life. That is a fabulous book covering a lot of um, conversational arguments and regarding the pro life issue. And so, Trent Horn's Persuasive Pro Life. I highly recommend it. And there are many, many other books I could recommend. But we're, that's we're that's talking with uh, Teresa Kamara. She is with the Houston Coalition here in in the Houston area. But talking about the pro life news across our country and uh and whether or not there's good news or bad news it's mm-hmm. the news right right uh there was a story this week that i covered in one of our what's concerning us segments mm-hmm. uh of a of a do- an abortionist i think he was out of indiana mm-hmm. and he had passed away and uh they fa- as his family was was cleaning out his car yeah and they his found barn, the, they, they found, found the aborted baby over two thousand Aborted babies they found mm-hmm. stashed into his car in his barn. Mm-hmm. Doctor Ulrich Klopfer was his name, which is this is crazy because we've seen this before with Kermit Gosnell. So mm-hmm. why is this happening again? Why is this a trend among abortionists? Well, they there's this strange thing that they do where it's almost as if there's like a trophy or there's some sort of like reminder of the fact that they did these abortions, and I'm not sure what the psychological connections are to that i haven't studied Mm -hmm. that um but i think it's very important to keep in mind that there is some sort of pattern to our behavior where it builds on itself so the decisions that we make today are going to influence decisions that we make tomorrow and that forms the person that we become and so like there's something that is really terribly wrong with having all these body parts that you feel the need to hang on to of these various children that have been aborted that's the evidence it's their physical evidence mm-hmm. i mean where now the question is you know where else 
was he could he not dispose of them somewhere else i mean that dispose of the bodies which is uh, you know the reality is in i know in texas and in other states there have been a lot of there's been a lot of legislation to push for um the ability to to require the burial or the cremation of the body parts Mm -hmm. so that way and and the reason that the abortion lobby pushes against that and showing that dignity of the human person, even as the church offers to pay for those yeah. burial plots. So there's no extra expense to the abortion facility. There's no extra expense to the woman. And they will, and the abortion lobby will agree. Yes, we can see there's no extra expense. Yet yeah. they will push against it because that shows the dignity of the human person. And um, I, I also, there's many times where they will, they will just try to manipulate the, the, the mother into uh, giving the, the body over for science. Yes. And then they, obviously, we, as we saw with the uh, undercover videos of David Delighton, uh, that they just sell these off to these pharmaceutical and medical research firms. And uh, here we go. You know, our all of our... Uh, all of these aborted babies are being used in the name of science, and it's a manipulation, right. and it's furthering of the evil. Right, so well, and I know... Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, scientific research is fueling a market now for aborted children. Go ahead. Well, and and the thing is, I know um, John Henry Weston just did a great interview with Pamela Acker mm-hmm. um, regarding this exact topic and just talking about how many aborted babies there are in getting to that particular yeah. strain that's being used for vaccines. I listened how to that, the child, that interview. Yeah, me too. Uh, ha- having to having to um, harvest those parts in order for it to be usable, it has to be harvested within five to five minutes to one hour. And so the chances of it being a miscarried baby or a spontaneous abortion are just not reasonable. I mean, it's, it doesn't make sense based on that time frame. And so um, it's really important to keep on praying for the protection of these women, for them to see the humanity of their own child, because mm. no person should be used as a product to say to save amen. other people yeah, like amen. you don't you don't get to just say okay well your life doesn't matter this other person's doesn't life doesn't matter we're going to use their body mm-hmm. without them consenting without anything i mean they're and through a very painful process to be able to extract enough of their flesh or enough of their body parts to be able to use for experimentation so that we can save other people i mean there's a huge huge ethical set of consequences to that that kind of idea and i know right now there's a lot of conversations about these vaccines where they're saying well you know this person's taking and that person's taking and this religious leader has said this and this religious leader has said that and the reality is the usccb has come out to say it's okay because and only if only if it is absolutely necessary because of major health consequences only if there's no other option and only if um, you have already voiced your concern about why this is wrong. Mm. Now, what we're seeing instead is, oh, well, they said it's okay, so it's okay. No, that's not enough. Like, you have to push and push for there to be actual ethical vaccines. If you're not doing that, then there's a problem. And so there are those of us who continue to just push and push, and there are people who are still doing research. Yes. The research hasn't stopped in other departments just because someone else got a shot today. I, I, we've had this conversation about vaccines with guests on the program uh, before. You and I, when uh, Teresa, you and I, when we were doing GRN Alive together, we've had uh, Dr. Teresa Dysher and other guests, uh, Children of God for Life. We've talked about this quite a bit. And, we're, and right now, Adrian's trying to get us a guest uh, of a, a Dominican, a scientist, who's uh, right. going to talk about 
about this very point. You know, in the debate over vaccines and all, like the, the, the Pope's comments and the bishops that have come out all across the U.S. that say it's okay to take these vaccines, even though they've had some uh, interactions with the Board of Fetal Tissues. Uh, a couple of points there. It was, bishop, it was uh, Pope Benedict XVI in a statement that said, you know what, we should demand from our pharmaceutical companies mm-hmm. that they not do this. I mean, it's not just one thing to go, well, it's uh, nothing I can do. Oh, well, I mean, I tried, you know. No, he says, no, you have to demand that they produce ethical and good uh, uh, therapies to care for our, our needs, not just go along to get along, not just throw your hands up and say, oh, it's remote material cooperation. It was so long ago, which, by the way, the conversation between John Henry Weston and, and Pamela Aker, uh, she addresses the whole uh, whole how long ago these aborted fe- right. uh, fetal DNA. Uh, and she says it's still ongoing. Yeah, it's still ongoing. It's not so remote. It's not so long ago. It is here. It is now and is real. And there's a lot of manipulation in the conversation. So we're hoping to get more guests on the topic to give us some experts. Expert, uh, get, uh, ex, you know, expertise on the subject to kind of highlight that the issue is that there are, in fact, therapies coming that do not have anything to do with the board of fetal DNA, and they are coming. And why don't we hear from the hierarchy? Uh, Dear Faithful, guess what? Good news. There are vaccines coming. There are therapies coming that have nothing to do with aborted fetal DNA. Let's be patient. Let's wait. Let's wait for those. Well, and in we part, of, that, that. That, that's well, part of that's because we don't know. They don't want to promise something that we, they don't know who's going to deliver it. Because there are lots of people but there's who some are in doing play. research. There are definitely some in play. And there's definitely people like Teresa Deicher who have come out with vac- with, with um. She has a, she has some therapies in, in FDA trials right now right. that could be used. Used to treat COVID. Well, and the thing is, they have already been successful in other areas. And so they already have a proven track record in other vaccine areas. And so it's very important for us to keep in mind, you know, we have to keep pushing forward because the reality is with this incoming administration, they're not going to just be like, okay, we won and done. Like they're going to keep pushing. It's going to get more and more radical. And it has a lot of, it has a major funding because abortion is a major money marketing business. There are huge, huge dollars going into this. Especially when you have every doctor at every clinic in America going off a schedule and not even questioning the program. They just provide these vaccines on a schedule. No one questions it, just goes with it. That's guaranteed income right there. Well, and I think I think there are a lot of doctors who, who do question it and do research it. I think it's just, um, there's kind of this, every person has so much time in a day, and like how much information can you absorb in that time of day? And I know you and I talk about this a lot, especially when we were doing GR on Alive. Like there's so much information to look at and there's so much misinformation right now. And mm-hmm. there's so many things where fact checkers are needing to be fact checked. And so the question is, <laughs> yeah. you know, how how do you know? But but one of the greatest resources that we have right now is Children of God for Life. Uh, and that's C-O-G forlife.org I believe um, and so and we'll, I'm sure you'll post that but but as far as like just keep in mind that there there is at the end of the day 
the human person was made by God. Each of us was made by God with dignity to be in relationship to God and to each other. And we don't get a chance. We don't get the, um, we don't have permission to say your life or that life or this other person's life is not valuable because that person's life is just as valuable as yours. They may not be as quote unquote secularly useful, Mm-hmm. But that doesn't change the fact that they are vi- that they are valuable, that their soul is immortal, and that they are called to go. They are called to be in relationship with God and to be in heaven. And we, you know, as soon as we start to downplay that person's dignity, mm-hmm. then it spirals. Well, then who else? Who else's dignity is compromised? Who else? You know, the the other side, the the pro abortion side. A lot of times, you'll hear them say, "We need respect. Women need to have respect." You're not showing yourselves respect. You're not showing. Um, the people around you re- enough respect to even allow them to be alive. And so whenever people don't show themselves that a level of respect, when they don't show other people that level of respect, they're not going to expect to receive that level of yeah. respect. So whenever we go to the March for Life, it's very important to continue to be respectful, to surprise them. It's going to be a culture shock for them, perhaps. Yeah, it's a foundational issue. You have to have respect for life at conception if you want to have respect for life at every other stage of human existence. And every other circumstance. I mean, uh, I think we uh, there's a certain segment of us that want to overlook the life issue. We, in fact, I saw some conversations in the articles this week about uh, how we fuss too much over the pro-life issue. And yet, I don't think you can fuss enough. Well, because I love- we have to, if we want to have uh, compassion and dignity on life in other stages, whether, you know, no matter their circumstances or what have you, and you've overlooked the conception, oh my heavens, you've got issues. Well, and I love the fact that um, the Catholic News Agency just uh, quoted Cardinal Dolan um, with this quote. He says, actually, we're obsessed with the dignity of the human person Amen. and the sacredness of all human life. Yes, the innocent, helpless life of the baby in the womb, but also the life of the death row prisoner, the immigrant, the fragile elderly, the poor, and the sick. And the reality is, the reason that the unborn get so much of this preeminent, why they're the preeminent issue, why they are, um, it's because of how many are aborted every single day. Their lives are being ended today. Yes. They're in, and, the, in the thousands. Just like every you know? triage doctor ever on planet Earth. You got to start with the biggest, most life-threatening wounds first. Well, and, and it move harms on. the woman. And so if you know anyone who has been harmed by abortion, like it's important to get them to the healing that they need, Amen. to get the mm-hmm. men to the healing that they need afterwards, because it doesn't end with the abortion. So um, hopeafterabortion.org is a great resource for that. All right. Praise be to God. Teresa Kamar, HoustonCoalition.com. Thanks for being on our show again. Well, thank you. We'll have you back. Uh, you'll have to get up a little early next time but we'll have you January back January 22nd <laughs> the big day the it's big gonna day. it's Friday yeah all right praise be to God that's gonna do it for Catholic Drive Time for today and for this week don't forget on Monday we start the live broadcast mass at 7.30am Central 830 Eastern uh, and I hope you'll tune in for that and Catholic Drive Time will go off of the radio but we'll stay on social media for our after show and we will certainly invite you to that if you're able to join us also uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers will be on our guest list on Monday to talk about keeping peace and chaos. Join us then. God bless you. God love you. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. 
Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.